a lot of high performers and high achievers are smart enough, quote unquote, to not use alcohol and drugs and, hey, you know, and some do and sex and these kinds of things use as addictive behavior. What's popular now, what a popular drug of choice I would say is, is helping other people, is making a lot of money, right? Is attaching to a religion, right? There's these other addictive behaviors that are glorified by many that high achievers hide behind to not have to feel a certain level of hurt and pain. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, you're in for a treat. I think I say that every week, but I am really super pumped and excited to bring to you an extraordinary human in the name of Kian Lage. He is an extraordinary being, not only because of his youth, yet his amazing wisdom, but also because I think he's just got something pretty special and magic. And we all know that when you are around the energy of people with an essence and a magic and a a presence that's truly authentic and real, something inside of you gets inspired to be more of that with you. And I think his story, Kian's story, will really allow all of us to deeply reach within and acknowledge that who we are and the ability to live the life of our dreams is within every single one of ours reach. You know, Kian, he had a career-ending injury after aspiring to become an NFL footballer. He is very driven, and you'll hear that at the beginning. You'll understand why he got there and how there was just no debate that he wasn't going to make it to that level. But then a neck injury took him out of the game. And I think he, uh, the thing, the key takeaway that I took from this is that he really then turned that into a platform to launch himself in a direction maybe that he was always intended. He was born in 93 in South Dakota. Um, and even though he was heartbroken after this, you know, this very heart-shattering news, um, he didn't know what to do. But his lifelong dream of being a footballer ended up having him to really go on a real big journey of self-inquiry and discovery. He spent a month and a half in the library and eventually came across a book called The Biology of Belief, which even though we don't discuss in here, I know many of you have heard me talk about this book by Bruce Lipton, but he also felt that that was pivotal in changing his life. It inspired him to look at life from a different perspective, from being healthy from the inside out. And since then, he has dedicated his life to helping people to find joy and fulfillment in all areas. And also, not only the achievements within yourself and where you're going maybe in your career and life goals, but who you are as a person. He believes that the emotional issues of high performers are very real. And he wants to give a voice to them. He wants them to show that their internal issues are real and if not addressed can and can lead to extreme chaos. And I think all of us can really resonate with that. And I think everyone that listens to this podcast is a high achiever. <laughs> and therefore, I'm sure this is really resounding for you. He was a personal trainer and a certified holistic nutritionist. 
and now has gone on to being an incredible coach working with the physical, mental and emotional aspects. He's worked in Silicon Valley with entrepreneurs, professional athletes and world-class fitness models, but he is really now all about helping top performers reach fulfillment and make their lives feel absolutely, authentically, truly and whole. So, Guys, really lock into this one. You're going to enjoy him. He's young. He's spunky. He's gorgeous. He's got. He is living the life that I'm sure many people wish that they could have access to. And guess what? The Self Love Podcast is about to give you how and why he's done what he's done. So thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you give the show a, a five-star rating on iTunes. Please, you know, tag somebody in this off our Instagram pages, Kim Morrison28, or my Facebook page, Kim Morrison. Please do tag someone that you think would really appreciate this, this learning, this opening, this amazing conversation with the incredible Kian Lage. And also you can download this on thewellnesscouch.com. You can go to the self-love podcast underneath that. But you know what? It's time. It's time that we as women and men come together, really step into the power of both the masculine and feminine energy and really share what self-love is to so many of us, which, as you've heard me say before, is the foundation for leading a very happy, fulfilled and incredible life. Take care, guys, and enjoy the show. So as you guys heard in that beautiful introduction, I am incredibly honored this week to have a very special guest on my show. And I think you're going to really enjoy where this deep dive conversation is going. But it is an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show, Ken. And thank you so much for joining us on the Self Love Podcast. Yeah, Kim, thank you so much for having me on here. It's really interesting. I don't normally get, I've done a lot of podcasts. And I don't normally get butterflies for a podcast and I'm feeling them. So that must mean some big, big things are coming. Uh, I'm excited. Do you know something that's occurred with this podcast? I've been podcasting for eight years and we did a show previously called Up for a Chat. We were number one for a while. We've had a great following. And after 374 episodes, we decided to call it. But there's something that I learned out of all of those years of podcasting was my absolute deep desire to get to know people. And particularly because my specialty is around self-love, when I saw who you were and what you were about, something really resonated with me because many of these listeners know that I was married to or am, sorry, not was, he was a professional athlete. I'm married to an athlete that, you know, played cricket for New Zealand for 10 years and went through many highs and lows. But for people that don't know you yet, maybe you could give us a brief background and how we got to being here today. And your story is phenomenal. So take your time in sharing it. And I'd love for the listeners to understand this incredible journey that you've been on mentally, physically, and I dare say emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start to go. And if you want me to elaborate more on anything specific, feel free to interrupt me anytime as well. Uh, but as a young kid, I uh, when I was 10 years old, I said I was going to play professional football. And being a, a small town kid from an area that doesn't receive a lot of notoriety, I had quite the chip on my shoulder to prove that I was going to be able to do this. So I worked harder than anybody uh, in eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade, which is about 12 to 13 years old. I was doing push-ups and sit-ups 
uh, in my room, not because anybody was telling me that I should or needed to, but because I knew that's what I needed to do to get what I really wanted. So I always had a deep, deep internal drive to get what I wanted and believe that I was going to get it because of the time, energy, and effort that I poured in. So through high school and through college, uh, I wasn't always the most sought after person as being the most vibrant person on the field. Uh, but I was one of the best silently. And uh, I knew deep, deep down of my talent and how good I was through high school and college. But I wasn't fully able to express myself as being as good as I maybe was. And I believe it reflected in uh, the amount of notoriety that I received compared to how much I probably should have received based off my skill and talent. So I would say my inability of being able to talk about myself in a very high light and really how I was is what hindered some of the notoriety from coming into my life. Uh, and so I hung on to this underdog mentality for a long time of being the guy from a small town where we don't receive a lot of notoriety. And uh, I actually think that made it harder for me to get to where I wanted to be than it really needed to be. Uh, and so that's been, been, been my journey uh, is, is going through that whole experience of working harder than anybody else but realizing that I didn't have to work as hard as I did to get what I had. And that has a lot to do with a certain level of self-acceptance and self-love. I'm sure we'll get into it a little later. Uh, but getting all the way to the point to where I worked, felt like I worked so hard that I ran my body nearly, I would say, into the ground. And I even pushed past the point of neglecting, acknowledging an injury that I had that I probably unconsciously knew or consciously knew was way worse than I like to give myself uh, permission to accept. And so luckily for me, when I made it to the NFL, I had a precautionary MRI done on my neck from a small injury, you know, small injury in quotes that I had in, in college. And it turned out that they weren't able to pass me and I was forever done playing the sport of football because of this neck injury that I had. So after that, uh, I could go into all, all the whole emotional mix that I had. Uh, but really, for me, it was almost like a big piece of the pie got ripped out from who I was. That's how I describe like my brain being a big piece of the pie and, and nearly three quarters of the pie just being ripped out because almost everything that I did up to that point was to get me to that place of getting to the NFL and now it was taken away. And so the last five years for me have been just this, this beautiful journey of, of uh, accepting myself independent of any achievements that I have uh, and independent of, of how other people are feeling around me and really being able to step fully into my light. And it's really pretty, it's really, really bright without having to be apologetic for it either. So that's what this last five years has been for me. And uh, I, I never worked, you know, a quote unquote nine to five job. I've always done what's felt relatively inspiring for me since getting done with football. Uh, but getting to this point where I'm at now, I, I now work with, with other high achievers and other high performers that have had a lot of success, but are ready to, to stop achieving from a place of that underdog and stop achieving from that place of, of using our inner hurts and our pain to, to propel us, but achieving from a place of, of joy and, and acceptance and uh, in the process, being able to feel a lot more uh, fulfillment in our achievements along the way. So it's a long process that I've gone through through these last over many years. 
And I feel like I'm able to tap into some of that secret sauce for, for a lot of people that are in the process of, of doing it now so they can feel some of the fulfillment that uh, I didn't experience. Mm. I, I'm really intrigued by this because as a young person, we have big dreams. Um, I dreamed that I would play netball for my country. I knew that that's what I wanted, didn't suffer any injury, got to the state level, never made it to the next level up, and then kind of like felt a bit dejected, a little bit down, wasn't quite sure where I'd go with that. And so I took off on my OE, our overseas expedition, which we Aussies and Kiwis call it, headed to Australia happen to be, is it accident, is it fate, is it universal, has your back, whatever it is, ended up working in the health and fitness industry and then ended up looking after a gentleman by the name of Cliff Young, who for many Aussies will know won the inaugural Sydney to Melbourne race running a 1,000 kilometres. He won it at 68 years of age. And no one took him seriously because, you know, he was always considered a shuffler and someone who ran and gut trained in gumboots, you know, and all of that. But what my question really is, is when we have these dreams and when we're young and we have this vision and, and we're, we're, we're absolutely, you know, driven towards that one goal, I think what's missing for many young people in particular and as we evolve is it's great to have that one goal, but maybe having an open heart and open mind that that trajectory could go on all different routes and you could end up somewhere even better. I ended up running for Australia and set a world record, being the youngest female to run 100 miles. If you'd said that to me at 15, that that's what I'd end up doing, there's no way, one, I would have thought it, two, believed it, or three, even imagined it. So I want to ask you, as a young man, someone who had that one focus to play in the NFL, to then have that whole dream ruptured, you said it's become a beautiful journey, but I want to understand how in the mindset you went from complete and utter, I would imagine, shock into creating now what you call a beautiful journey. Because for many people, that's the part, the hardest part to accept the disappointment, to come to believe there's something better for you, and then to actually catapult yourself down another trajectory. What do you think is that missing link, that part that has us really believe there's something bigger and better? Well, I'd like to explain how I was post NFL and, and post that, that uh, being told I'd never be able to play again. And it was just a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion. And uh, I think I unconsciously did a great job of this was I actually gave myself, I talk about this a lot, but I gave myself permission to, to be confused and to be messy. I gave myself permission to be confused and to be messy. And I think for many of us that, that are out there that have one idea of what we want, we have a big goal, we have such a mindset on it, uh, perfectionism can run in that. And, and for, for other people that, that don't have that, that's fine. But I definitely have that trait that, that runs in my family is an element of perfectionism of, of what I knew I need to do and put pressure on myself to have to uh, maintain that. But when football got done, I just, I just gave myself permission to not know really what I wanted. And not, nobody really even told me this, but I just gave myself permission to, to do what felt inspiring to me. And my path after football actually was similar to yours. And then I jumped into personal training uh, because I found that that was an outlet for me 
for something I was really good at to be able to speak about a lot of my mental stuff that I felt like I'd already established at a young age for people that needed it, people that needed to learn how to be motivated, people that needed to learn how to commit to something, people that needed to learn how to, to stick to a routine. Uh, I'd mastered that by the age of 22. And I'm like, this gives me an awesome outlet to do that. And so I just, I allowed myself to, 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 just, to, to, to be a trainer. And, and frankly, if somebody told me I'd be a trainer three years prior to that, because I wanted to be a financial analyst, I would have said, hey, go fuck yourself. Like, there's no way I'm going to be a personal trainer, right? Uh, but it was what felt inspiring. So I just let myself do it. Sitting in an office all day and, and, and crunching numbers uh, didn't feel inspiring to me. So I did that, and then that led me to my next inspiration, which was dealing with more of the internal health side of things. Well, because for me, I reached what I would say my external physical peak, but internally, I didn't quite have it figured out. So I dove into it headfirst for myself of what it looked like to be healthy on the inside, and from that experience, I created a program that I helped on over 150 people work through different autoimmune conditions and digestive disorders that they were experiencing through me going in and resolving a lot of my own deep internal stuff. So I would say I wasn't one of the first people to talk about you know, gut health and, and inflammation, but I was definitely uh, on the forefront before it became more of a mainstream idea. And so that, that was my next inspiration was doing that where I quit my job as a personal trainer full-time into doing that online where I, I had this program that I worked one-on-one -on -one with people with. And then from there, I'm like, okay, well, clearly a lot of the internal issues people are experiencing aren't coming just from the food they're eating. It comes from something deeper, right? It comes from the, the relationship that they have with themselves that really is causing these physical ailments to take over. And I'm like, okay, well, let me go into this more, right? And that felt really fun and exciting. So I started to go into more of the emotional health that people were experiencing. And as I kept going deeper into myself with my own emotional crap that I was trying to resolve, I found that a lot of high achievers and people that weren't necessarily catered to have a lot of stuff going on that most people, one, wouldn't acknowledge and two, not give them credit because they're experiencing, you know, extreme first world problems that, that a lot of high performers don't give themselves permission to feel either. Right. So I'm like, whoa, like there's this high achievers that, that aren't really catered to that have all this deep hurt. They don't have, they don't have resolve. That feels inspiring. Like I, I've worked through a lot of my own stuff. I continue to. Let me go into these people. Yeah, I can relate to these people. That's what I'm like. And uh, this feels good. So I, I just consistently give myself permission along the way just to follow my inspiration. And also in the meantime, have a stupid amount of fun and do a lot of dumb shit <laughs> as well. That, that, that key in uh, back uh, living in, in South Dakota probably would have never let himself do. So <laughs> I've had a lot of fun and I've done a lot of things that, that have, have – uh, have challenged my previous belief system of who I believed uh, that I once was uh, because I've let myself just be confused. I've let myself not have to have it figured out. And, and through me allowing myself to not have it figured out and just following my inspiration, uh, I figured out a lot that a lot of people uh, would, would pay a lot of money that do pay a lot of money to, to learn and to know. Right. But it didn't come from me consciously trying to, to have everything figured out and to have the perfect plan and to know exactly what I want with my life. It came from me giving myself permission to not, allowing me to step into a place of, of what felt inspired for me and what continues to feel inspiring, and allowing uh, a greater purpose, if you want to call it a purpose, which would I, I would call just prolonged inspiration, uh, to emerge. 
I really appreciate it because you're talking here about the conscious and the unconscious. And so often our conscious mind, we have the inner voice. Some people call it an inner critic. Some people will talk about the expectation and the way that we wish to drive our lives. But what many people don't work on, which is what I feel like you're talking about here, is that it's the unconscious that actually drives that behavior. And if we don't delve in there and if we don't go in there looking for that and go down the rabbit hole of who we truly are, then we often can feel quite unfulfilled. And I love the way you explain it because I think for me, the juice of self-love comes from that unconsciousness. So if I was to ask you, what's your definition of self-love? What would that be, Kian? It's, it's my willingness to accept the deepest, darkest parts of myself that I don't want to let anybody else see. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's not, to, me, to, me, to me, self-love isn't about actions or, or us trying to make ourselves be uh, as happy as possible. Uh, when I say actions, meaning like nice little things that we do for like self-care stuff. Like I think that's self-care. That's not, that's not self-love. There's a, there's a huge difference. Uh, but, but for me, it's, it's, it's not about my willingness to do what makes me happy. It's about my willingness to accept the darkest parts of me that I'm doing all that I can to not have to experience and to feel things that we use as addictive behavior, right? That I see, I want to throw this out there too, is that a lot of high performers and high achievers are smart enough, quote unquote, to not use alcohol and drugs and, hey, you know, and some do and sex and these kinds of things use as addictive behavior. What's popular now, what a popular drug of choice I would say is, is helping other people, is making a lot of money, right? Is attaching to a religion, right? There's these other addictive behaviors that are glorified by many that high achievers hide behind to not have to feel a certain level of hurt and pain. Okay. And so by being able to strip those pieces back and saying, Hey, I'm not going to be the person that's making all the money. I'm not going to be the person that is helping everybody else. I'm not going to be this person that is is, is using my faith in in, in something higher than myself to to not have to confront some of my deeper stuff. Right. That's real self-love. I love it. And I, and I want to ask you just on that, you talked about us not wanting to fake, confront or face our deep pain and hurt. Everyone I've met, I wrote a book on this, The Art of Self-Love, and everyone I interviewed has got a story. Everyone I meet has got hurt and pain. Every one of us has a shadow side and I guess a golden shadow. Every one of us has mentors and people we look up to and there's people that we are that for others. But that hurt and pain, that struggle, that challenge, that confusion, all of that side, Many people are motivated to get away from that. Yet once they get away from it and create a new life, they then need to create something else to get away from. How would you inspire someone to work towards the pleasure of life while embracing that and yet still maintaining the balance? Because we can't have pain without absolute no pain. And we can't have a problem without not having a problem. So there is always the dichotomy, the two parts of us. But what has been your, your, your exceptional? Because what you do, in my opinion, is you work towards something greater than rather than away from. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we go right in. We go, bah! we <laughs> penetrate right to the source, right? So, and, and some people call it a psychedelic experience uh, because it is. 
it, it absolutely is a psychedelic experience working with me. Uh, so, so the question is, how do I do that for myself or how do I facilitate that for others? Give us both. Yeah. I, uh, for me, it's fascinating to dive deep into my unconscious and to put myself in positions that challenge myself. And I don't know if it's just like some kind of sick, demented thing that I like to do that I think is fun or uh, if it's actually beneficial. I guess I'd like to let my, my life uh, prove that and how I really feel about myself prove that, which is fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I give myself, I just, I've been able to establish a great relationship with my deep unconscious side of me that I don't. I historically haven't wanted other people to see, right? I, I think that's it. Like, I'm not afraid to go in and, and go to the depths. And you mentioned rabbit hole earlier. Such a, a, it really hit with me so strong and powerful. But I give myself permission just to go into the rabbit hole of my own mind and to feel and experience all the, the terrors that it wants to throw at me, right? And that's came through a lot of time. And, and I've, I've hired a coach to help me get more, uh, efficient at that i would say it's been incredible right regardless of how much how much work i do it feels it feels really good to still have a coach for me uh but i just give myself permission to be my biggest test subject really like i've done more than, than all of my clients right and that's what allows me what i believe to facilitate this level of transformation in other people right? i've gone in and done a lot of the heavy lifting and and uh, experimenting and trying things and putting myself in weird situations and seeing how I respond. So a lot of my clients don't have to, right? I save my clients years on their life, uh, by me going in and, and doing what feels easy for me, which is trying a bunch of new different stuff and, uh, and experiencing different awesome elements of life. Right. So I learn a lot through those experiences and, uh, it allows me to, to, give the space for my clients to give themselves permission to, to feel and understand themselves and, and go down their own rabbit holes. So they're able to resolve a lot of that deeper stuff inside of that. But at the end of the day, I attribute the capacity that I have to facilitate the change in other people directly to my own willingness to go in and experience it and work through my own stuff. Amazing. And as a coach, do you feel um, there's a perception that um, that the coach is going to do the work for you. Do you get a perception that because you're an athlete, you've understood the um, the importance of having coaches? Do you think it's become a more realistic thing for people to now want a life coach or personal coach or money coach or whatever it is? Do you think it's necessary? in this day and age for us to actually find someone that resonates with us, that inspires us to allow us to follow our inspiration, but to draw from the unconscious part that maybe we've never had the opportunity to go after. Mm, that's a great question. And I'm very open. I'm very open to trying new things and hearing different things and, and knowing how different modalities work. And I'm also very independent too. I've always been very independent. And with that said, I've gone periods of time without coaches and I've gone periods of time with coaches. And I've just found that I want a fucking epic life like right now. And I don't want to live in that place of, of one day 
if I sacrifice long enough, then I'll give myself permission to be able to, to be happy and, and to experience joy. So just out of pure efficiency, I'm like, why would I not? Why would anybody not? And I say this to everybody. I'm like, you should have two coaches in your life. You should have one that's a mentor that's going to show you how to be able to really do the nuts and bolts of whatever it is you're trying to learn. And two, an energy coach, somebody that actually understands how to remove the crap that's in the way of you being able to actually use those tools you learned from your mentor at the highest level possible. Now, luckily for me, you know, I get both in one uh, with, with my mentor who does both, which is awesome, which is the case for me with people that I work with as well that are, that are younger coaches, right? But to me, out of pure efficiency and, and not wanting to have to wait, I'm like, why would I not? I've saved years of my life and I can experience like epicness in my life right now. Like it makes no sense not to. Now, if you, but at the same time, if you believe that life needs to be super hard and you have to work super, super hard for everything that you have, then I would say don't hire a coach right? because that would not follow suit with that belief system. Yeah. So true. I want to talk to you personally. I know that you rise above and I can see that you have done a lot of work within yourself and continue to want to evolve to being the best version of you. But how does the dark times look for someone like you? You know, so often people look at coaches or inspirational athletes or people like you and think that you just move on really quickly. I know you said it's taken a lot of work, but talk to me a little bit and maybe even give us an example of of a really dark time for you and what you do in a moment by moment transition to pull yourself out. The reason Mm -hmm. I'm asking you this is because so many have a significant emotional or massive event occur in their life. And then they let that become the anchor and their story and their reason for not moving on. And in fact, they don't even know who they are without that story anymore. But you're talking about leading a freaking epic life and you can't do that when you're anchored. But, Ken, you must have had times when you've actually doubted things yourself. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to say this. How I handle the dark times has changed substantially. And I would say I went from a place of suppressing and pivoting Right. But now it takes me a little longer to work through something because I'm actually working through it now. Uh, but what I do is when I'm experiencing some feelings that, that don't feel very good to me or something happens where it's like, oh, like I feel that so deeply, oh, it does not feel good. I just allow myself to crawl up in a ball in my bed and just, just experience all of it. Right? I, I don't push it away. I don't deny it. I don't pretend like it shouldn't be there or or – um, isn't there? It just is full unconditional acceptance, and and for me now, it, it's it's getting more and more efficient because I'm getting more efficient at not blocking it. Or I've had to work through a lot of that programming of just letting myself feel it because I got so good at not allowing myself to feel a lot of it. Okay, but now I'm just like diving all the way in, and I just say, okay, all you feelings that are here, I'm right here. Let's go. I'm, I'm here, right? And, and I'll just let myself cry. And sometimes it'll happen right, at random times. I'll have something come up and I'm like, whoa, like I just want to cry. And I just let myself do it and allow myself to experience that, right? Because, because what do I know? I know that when I give myself permission to experience that emotion, 
it's actually much more efficient as well than pushing it down or pushing it away because I don't have to answer to it later. So by me addressing it now and working through it now, that allows me to not have to work through it or deal with it later, allowing me to have a lot more peace on the other end, right? And, and, and my, my, my best friend, we're so great at this. If, I, if I'm just fucking pissed and I wanna go, I wanna go outside, I just go on the balcony, I just ah! as, as loud as I possibly can. Right. I, 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 had a, I had a rough conversation earlier today and I went outside and I just went bah! and just let it all out. Right. But I've established that level of a relationship with my own emotional state for, for most people. That's super vulnerable. Like, oh, he, he, he went outside his balcony. Like, what if our neighbors, what if our neighbors hear that? Like, I don't want people to hear me do that. Right. I, I, I've been able to remove a lot of the shame. Right, that 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 I've had, and because I know what actually comes from it, right? And I know my neighbors are gonna be like, "Yo, is everything good?" I'm like, "I'm great. Thanks for asking." They're like, "Okay, you're fucking crazy, but okay," <laughs> and I'm okay with that, right? And they're probably be like, "Okay, all right," and maybe it gives them permission to step into a place of, of doing it too. Maybe they're like, "Yeah," and they, and they and they express too, right? So I've really established a relationship with my emotions where I just give myself permission to experience them and allow them to be as they are and not try to manipulate them or control them. And that's what allows me to be able to move on from them much quicker. One of the biggest emotions that can go, can turn to rage. And when we know that anger, unsuppressed anger, uh, unexpressed anger and suppressed anger can actually lead to deep resentment and rage. And we know then that at some point we have an explosion or there's, I know as a mum, if I haven't managed myself when my kids were little and I was exhausted and all those sorts of things, all of a sudden they do one little thing, like maybe drop the plate on the floor, so minuscule in, in the scheme of things, yet I'd lose my shizzle. I'd absolutely lose it in that moment. And it's quite confronting. Anger is something that we're almost taught not to express, it's almost, you know, oh, you shouldn't be angry, you couldn't be. But what I'm loving and hearing from you, and, and now I'm, I'm hearing you say this, I live right by the beach. On those days that I don't feel great, I've literally been down on the beach with no one down there. And <laughs> and it's almost this primal, <sighs> Ooh, just, it is primal. It, you let it out. And that expression of anger in that moment I feel like isn't allowed a lot and coming back to you as an athlete and seeing my husband go through his career ending I almost feel like for men in this day and age there's a lot of expectation on you I mean women are rising we're doing it you, you see a lot of women becoming you know more roaring and they're out there and they're, they're becoming but I almost feel at the expense of our men and I, I'm saying this is a very generalized statement but as a young man if you could talk to an older man that maybe when I say older is in their 50s, I know a lot of men that, that seem to have a midlife crisis, et cetera, and things like that. But, you know, when you look at those older generation men who haven't been allowed to express it and maybe even looking back at the younger generation, how do you teach men to be men? I mean, we love our men being men. And women you, want you women our do. We want our men to be men and we want to hear you Ooh. roar. But we don't obviously want to see that anger become rage and then unmanageable. 
So I think you're touching on something really profoundly important here. Have you got anything to teach us around that the emotion of anger and and allowing that to be? I'm really curious. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure, Kim, I could come back and we could do a whole episode on this in particular, that dynamic, uh, uh, which I would, I would love to do. But I'll share as, as much as I can in this space as well. And uh, I mentioned by me dealing with the feelings that I have and emotions that I have right now allows me to not have to eventually address them later. And what I see with a lot of guys is they, they don't want to hurt their significant other. So they're not honest, right? Oh, I, I don't want her to feel this way. So I need to tell her like this. or I don't want her to feel this way. So I have to lighten the load of how I say it. Or I don't want her to feel this way. So I have to lie, right? So, so something doesn't happen. And when we do that, when, when we're living in that place with, with our woman, what happens is, we start having to protect these identities that we establish to cover up our lives, right? And so over time, as we have to continue to cover up more and more of these lies that we have to not have to let our significant others feel, right? Manipulating their emotions, right? We end up starting to develop resentment towards our situations with them and our time with them because the true self doesn't want to have to be a bullshitter, right? And so what you end up becoming is just a bullshitter. You become a coward and a bullshitter because you live your life having to cover up these lies and maintaining this persona that you're just like this, this soft little puppy uh, that you're actually not, right? And that, that your woman doesn't want you to be, right? And so through time spent having to suppress all of how we're really feeling and, and these words that of truth, eventually leads to resentment, which you mentioned, right? It leads to resentment. And so what happens is we start pointing the finger unconsciously or probably in a lot of cases consciously at our woman because she's starting to not trust our lead because what are women fucking incredible at? Having a deeper intuition that us guys don't have, right? And so, so what the woman starts to feel is this lack of safety and security from the guy because she can feel that the guy is a bullshitter. Right? He can't even be honest about himself and his own emotional state. So I don't feel safe anymore. Right? And so the self-fulfilling prophecy comes into play where the woman starts to act out or stops giving sex or stops uh, you know, showing love and affection because the guy isn't actually able to be honest with himself. But he goes, oh, well, it's just because this is how girls are. This is what happens in 20 years in a marriage or, or you know, this is just – uh, she just a bitch or, or whatever, whatever guys say, right? So then that resentment game starts to build up and it becomes this like me versus you kind of thing where the woman maybe wants to say something, but then she feels like she has to protect the emotions of the man, right? Because she's sensing that he can't handle his own emotions. And I could go deep into the psychology of all of this too, uh, but really ends up leading to a lot of frustration on both ends, right? And then the guy ends up having to try to dig himself out of the situation where his girl no longer trusts him and then ends up in, in a big blow up or, or a lot of time trying to fix and mend that relationship. Right? So by not allowing ourselves to be open and honest about the state that we're in and the time that we're experiencing it, right? It leads to this, this deep, deep rooted piece of resentment 
that leads the woman to, re- to, to not feeling safe and secure, allowing us not really get what we want, which is to be able to feel that love and sentiment and, and beautiful feminine touch. Right. So, so the, the, the feminine is so much more strong than the weak ass masculine uh, makes it seem like girl. Oh my gosh. Girl, they, girls are so strong. Like, I just love the feminine energy so much because like of how powerful it is, right? When I let myself step into my power of, of saying what I want and expressing what I want and telling her what I want, oh my gosh, I get so much of the beautiful feminine energy. But when I don't and I, I cower and I, and, I, and I believe, oh, I don't, I don't want to like get this kind of result or I don't want her to feel a certain way, I actually disempower her and I disempower me, right? So if you really want to empower your woman, you give yourself permission to step into to your full power and sometimes say things that aren't going to feel good to her, but that you know are truth and you know that are right in the long run or that need to happen in the long run, right? Because that's the gift of, of that a lot of men have in their masculine is the, the true gift of foresight because we're not super deep in our emotions all the time, which is super beautiful by the feminine, right? But it allows us to have sometimes a clear sense of foresight because we're not all over the place all the time. But if we don't give ourselves permission to, to step into that, knowing, say, I do know what's right, I do know what's best, then our woman can't step into the same place of saying, I know what's right, I know what's best, and l- allows her to be this, this badass that she really wants to be. But ends up being you know soft and, and lacking confidence because that's how the guy is. Right, so I know that was like really uh, a lot and I could keep going, but, but it's really, really true. I love it. I have this real belief and I've got no science behind this, but I've always felt that the masculine energy is to provide and protect when our man is providing and protecting. And I don't just mean providing financially. I mean, providing that safe haven, that space, that fortitude, everything you're talking about. It's amazing. And when a woman sits in her power to nourish and nurture, and I don't just mean to nourish with food, but I mean to nourish the soul, to nourish the heart, to nourish our family, and to nurture the absolute uh, essential emotional aspect of all of our being, then the, the masculine and feminine works very powerfully. And I say energy because we have a lot of same-sex marriages and relationships too. So I can step into the masculine energy and I'm sure you can step into the feminine energy. But what I'd like to ask you now is if someone is sitting in their life right here, right now, maybe they don't know how to own either energy. Maybe they're just they're curious or they're broken. And one of the lines that one of my coaches has always said to me is, Kim, you have to feel it to heal it. You've got to get in touch with those emotions. You've got to be in the space and allow it to be. That's something that's coming through loud and clear with you, right? But what I want to ask you is if someone's listening to this, maybe they are thinking, oh, it might be a woman listening to this, but she knows maybe just with some of the things you've said that you've flirted with the the fact that maybe that's what's up with her partner or maybe that's what's up with her son or her brother or her father how would you reach out to a man to make it feel okay that it's good to be coached that it's okay to be lost that being confused is the 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 previous step to understanding that to accept that our emotions are definitely something to be embraced how do we talk to the man that that maybe doesn't maybe doesn't want to hear it, or is it our job to say something? Or how would you explain yeah. that to us? Oh man, uh, I want to be as cut and dry as possible with this. 
Do you want your life to keep sucking? Do you want to keep living as a little bitch? Do you want like to keep living miserable? Then just keep doing what you're doing. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. And came over here probably really doesn't either. It's nothing off her back, right? But really, if you want to want to stop living a miserable life, you put your pride down and you talk to somebody that that knows how to help you out. That's it. I love it, and I think. It's really cool. I, I've been quoted as saying this. I've said it to my husband. I've said it to a couple of very close male friends when they've been swimming in the pool of unknowingness. But more than that, I don't mind the unknowingness. It's the fact that you're not willing to step out and do something about it. That's probably the biggest struggle. And I've said it to a couple of very close men in my life and my son, which was, and it may be a bit harsh, and I hope you haven't got kids in the car, but I've said, man the fuck up. And Ooh. I've also said <laughs> to myself, to woman the fuck up, you know, that. like it's really important to me that we own that power. You know, I know we have to come to the end at some point. I, I could talk to you, I feel like, for hours and hours, but I guess you've touched a little bit here on leading, leading an epic life. But in all honesty, to be happy and fulfilled What's your advice here? Like, I know we can do the work, but give me a give me some of your rituals or some of the things that you do on a daily basis to to own that happiness and that joy, but also to have the resilience, the tools, and the repertoire of understanding to know that there's always places and things you can call on when you're not feeling so great. What do you do to look after you? Mm -hmm. uh, I always come back to me. I always come back to me, and. Our ability to have an epic life comes down to our true levels of self-confidence and self-belief. I'm not talking about self-belief because I've created this awesome company, because I have this sexy wife, because I have all this money. I am epic. No, like the, the ability to be able to, to separate from all of that and to feel worth independent of having any of these amazing things, not using the external world to justify our okayness is what allows us to really step into this epic life. And so the question becomes, how do I do that? Well, I can tell you how not to do that, right? And if you're constantly living your life in pursuit of making other people happy or what you feel like should happen to get a desired result, then you're going to have a very disconnected relationship with yourself because your criteria of decision-making has nothing to do with you and really what you want. And that's where it gets very complex because then we can make the argument, well, does anybody really know what they want? And I would argue that if you haven't done a lot of internal deep work, you don't have the capacity to know what you want. You are then living a life trying to get away from pain and into pleasure. So you just become this experiencing being that is operating out of getting away from pain. So if you've never given yourself permission to go deep into yourself and understand it at a deeper level, you don't have the tools to actually know what you want. So in order to get to a place of asking yourself, what do I want in this situation? What do I genuinely want? You have to do a certain level of deep-rooted work to, to remove the shit, or I would say the programming that's told you that you're not worthy of being able to have what you want, All right? So that's probably the first, I've done a lot of that and I continue to do a lot of that, removing those layers. 
Uh, but now that I've, I feel like I've done a lot of that work, now it's me being able to ask myself what I want and then to listen to that voice that gets very, very clear. And the more in line I get with myself, the louder it gets, sometimes uh, frustratingly loud <laughs> because it's like, dude, here it is. You know exactly what it is. Do it. Right. Uh, but but it starts with all the, the time and energy I've put into removing the, the layers of who I'm not to get into a place of being able to listen to what I really want for me and to continue to ask myself what I want for me, independent of anybody else. Right. And then be able to stick to that and go after it. Right. And the more I do that, the more confidence I build inside of myself because I'm doing things for me, not because of anybody else. And I also want to say this we're all very selfish beings by nature. Right? We're all very selfish beings by nature. And if we live our lives trying to, and I'm, and this is this is for a past self of me, people pleasing key and a past self. We live our lives doing things based off what we think will be good for for other people, or is going to get the best result for other people, and not fully for for us. Uh, and this comes from the, the the background of people pleasing as well. So some people come from a different background. If you're from the background of people pleasing, this is relevant to you. Then you're 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 not capable of having true self confidence. Because self-confidence comes from listening to ourselves and taking action on that. And if you never gave yourself permission to, to unlearn who you're not and to, to listen from a different perspective to yourself that isn't surrounded by getting the best result for everybody else, you don't know you and you can't listen to the voice and you can't make decisions based off the voice. So then you don't have real self-confidence. So I would say for me, that that's what, it, that's what it's been. I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but um, yeah. It's, you're saying it's a constant, we're a constant work in progress, constantly be alarmed and excited and inspired to learn more about you and your coding, your imprinting, your programming, be willing to unravel it, be willing to strip it bare, be willing to put it back together, be willing and open. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and fall in love, fall in love with the ambiguity of it all. Oh, right of that. not knowing what's next not knowing what's next and be able to be okay with that i know it's it's some great mental masturbation right it's a little harder said than done right but if you can get to the place of unlearning a lot of the crap and fall in love with the ambiguity of of not knowing what's next life is very very fun <laughs> i love it i love it so just very quickly with the rituals that you do to take care of yourself being an athlete you know what it means to be at the top of your game and physically unbelievably fit but on a daily basis just quickly give me some things that you do that's really important to you to keep your mind able to go into the inquiry what do you do in other aspects to look after that beautiful physical uh, temple that we all have mm. Well, I'm in a season of life where I've had a lot of deep understanding of personal development and of what a morning routine is and what discipline looks like. So I'm in a very, uh, I've been transitioning over the last year into a very more open and loose way of living where I don't have a lot of discipline uh, as far as my, my structured uh, minute by minute, day by day routine. I don't, I wake up whenever I want. And the first question I ask myself is, what do I want to do? And then I do whatever I want to do. And sometimes it's going and working out. Sometimes it's going down by the ocean and going for a swim. Sometimes it's reading the book that I have next to my nightstand. Sometimes it's grabbing my phone. Uh, and I 
then when I when I do that long enough, whatever it is, I ask myself again, okay, what do I want to do now? And I get another inspiration and I go do that. And uh, the more I do that, the better mood that I'm in because I'm just listening to myself and what I want. And there's no better feeling than being able to do what I want and to learn over time that that gets me everything that I want. Oh, my heart loves that. My heart eats that up. Okay. So as far as some other specific things, some things for me personally, I love going, I'm in, I'm in Brazil. So I don't know if people, a lot of people in Australia eat SIE, SIE bowls and all. It's a berry, right? You know, I say I'm a addicted. Oh my, I'm straight. I have at least one to two a day. I, my fa favorite thing. So what gets me in a great mood is I'll, I'll go and I go get a, a large SIE. I bring, I bring some protein powder too with me and they, they pour it in the blender for me. It's awesome. They, they love me now. But uh, I come back home and I go on the balcony and I listen to some awesome music and just have a great time with myself. And then I'll go on my first coaching call, crushing it because I'm just doing whatever I want to do at all times. And now I've, I've created a life for myself to be able to get to that point where, where I have the capacity to do that. right? But I think that should be the driving factor for everybody. And most people that I work with uh, don't have as much free time as I have. Uh, but what we've done is we've got to a space where they're able to actually listen to themselves. So they're able to construct a morning routine and, and a day routine based off what feels best to them and what they like. Not out of this place of like, oh, I need to meditate because, you know, Tom Bilyeu or Tony Robbins said I got to meditate every day and all this garbage, right? But really, whatever the heck feels best to them, okay? So the best advice I give to anybody is, you know, for your morning routine or for, for your daily routines, being able to implement things that, that simply just feel good to you are the things that get you into a great state, which get you into a place of attracting at a higher level, which brings more amazing things into your life, right? So that's the place that I'm in. Uh, but that's advice that I'd probably say to anybody that, that would is looking for it. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's... I think it's what everyone drives towards, but maybe for many people, they've not actually given themselves permission to realize that flexibility and following your heart and lead, which has come from years of discipline. I want to add that. I don't think you just wake up this amazing human that can do what they want. I think there's a lot of work that has now become such an intrinsic part of you that your unconscious is already in that space. And so that I want to I want to really reiterate that because I don't want to undermine the amount of amazing work you've done on yourself to get to that level um, but what you give me and what you're talking here is the possibility and the truth that it can happen when you're willing to step into that go dark and deep get into the rabbit hole do some coaching maybe have some mentorship really focus on that not even a maybe but really commit to it and know that when you do the outcome like anything you can train muscles and you know that over time as we stress it more the better they grow the more they are there for you and your fitness levels increases and it's this constant beautiful dance isn't it and I just I just want to thank you wholeheartedly for you know, I, I'm sorry on one level that your career was ended so abruptly, but I, I would also like to add that I'm really grateful that happened because it sent you on a path of self-discovery. And I've really learned that the break points in life for people are often their opening points. And that opening of the heart, the mind, the soul and the spirit is where the true essence of self-love and being who we truly are with full self-acceptance really is where the magic is. Just as we come to the close, I, I want to acknowledge you once again, but also maybe you could give us one final message to the self-love 
podcast listeners. Um, these people are amazing. They're already calibrating at a higher level. They're wanting to to go on. There's no there's no other why reason why they'd be listening to this if they weren't already in this space. So your final message, and then you know I'd love it, Ken, if you could also share with us your favorite quote, maybe at the moment. Yeah, uh, I think one of the most powerful things for me, especially if there's a lot of people listening to this that are already very driven. Uh, that want to live the best life possible for themselves. Uh, for me, what, what's always really relevant is the, the four-minute mile example, where once that, that four-minute mile was broken, uh, a lot of other people were able to break it relatively soon after that. And I want my life to be an example for a lot of people that it is possible to live just like this this epic life that, that feels incredible to you. And... Um, it's possible. You know, it's, it's possible. I'm, I, I'm living it. And there's not a lot of people that are right now. And, and that, that's okay. Just because of the state of the world. But like, that's irrelevant to me. You know, it doesn't take away from me. And uh, I want everybody out there to know that like, hey, that besides all the worldly circumstances, it is possible to live an awesome, awesome life that you feel great about. And um, I'm an example of it. And uh, I always love having, I say that because I love being able to see somebody already do it before me, then I can be like, okay, it's already done, right? So, so I, I hope anybody listening can, can listen to this, be like, hey, like, it's possible for me to live this awesome life that I feel really, really good about. As far as the quote, God, this is just so relevant for me right now. It's just like, it's already done, right? Like, like it's, it's already done. It's already done. Like when I, when I show up to this podcast, when I show up on a coaching call, when I show up in, in just an interaction every day with people, uh, and, and I just have this idea that it's already done. Whatever is meant to happen is already done. And that allows me to step into this place of, of flow and presence because I, I don't have anything to worry about because whatever is, needs to happen is already done. And so that allows me to really step into that place of presence, which allows me to facilitate the space uh, and to be part of the space to allow just awesome things to happen. And so I know it's a little more potentially complex than just saying it's already done. But I know for me, it can, it can really help me uh, by just, just reiterating that to myself of it's already done. It's already done. It sure is. And you're amazing. And I'd love you to share with us how we can follow you or get more of you. And for those listening and want to reach out to you, what are your, what's your uh, platforms for us to follow you on? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. And I'm sure Kim will put the spelling of my name in the show notes there. <laughs> uh, Kian.loggy. Or you can find me at my website at kianloggy.com. <sighs> I love it. I love it. And I will be putting those links in there. And again, I just, I think it's incredibly brave. Can I ask you how old you are? You want to guess? Oh, I, <laughs> I just shaved my, I just shaved, I just shaved my mustache. So I, I should have kept it. It gave me a couple of years. <laughs> I think you're gorgeous. You remind me of my, my son and my husband. And I feel very privileged to interview um, souls like yourselves, but I'm, I'm thinking around 30. Close, 27. 27, yeah. So I was actually thinking you've got the the wisdom of an 80-year-old and you've got the the looks of someone in their 20s, 30s. So, yeah, it's really 
It's really beautiful. And age doesn't mean anything. But the reason why I wanted to ask that is I think for many of us, I, I've heard this. I don't know if it's true. Wait, can, can, I, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Like, I just, I just want to, I just want to receive that from you. Like, oh. that just felt so, that felt just so good to hear. Ah, <laughs> feels so good. So I just, I like, look, if you, if you give me a second, just like receive that, like, oh, you, you, you're, you're, oh, that, that your, your feminine essence just be like, oh. Uh, well, my pleasure. It's, it's a real <sighs> treat to say it. And I, I don't say it Thank lightly. You. Thank you. Um, there's a reason why we were put together to have you on this podcast and, And I just want people to know that for many of us through our 20s is a time of really truly finding ourselves and it's beautiful that you inspire young people to do that. I I was put on this pathway of work from the age of 19 and I feel very privileged that I've been on this journey for so long, no matter what life has thrown. But I would also like to add that, and I think you'd agree with me with the wisdom of an 80-year-old, that I think that it's never too late to actually do the self-inquiry, is it? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and sometimes no. when we have a young person leading our way, like age is no barrier. I think that it's something that we can really respect at all ages. It's more about that wisdom age, that that willingness. And I feel the more deeper you go into yourself and your own personal growth and discovery, the quicker that wisdom gains. And it's just such a privilege to speak to you. And I I want to honor you for the work that you do and continue to do. And also to your coaching and your clients, I'm sure they feel very privileged to have you in their corner. So Kian Lagate, thank you so much for being a part of the Self Love Podcast. It really has been a treat and a privilege. And I urge everybody to get onto your website, onto your platforms. I love Instagram too. And I really do encourage you all to follow this delicious human that I'm sure Mm. will impact you for years to come. So thank you, sweetheart. You are so welcome. It was such a pleasure for me. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.